Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Great day to be in church. And before we jump into our message today, I, I just want to take a moment. We, uh, we never want to get in the act of not celebrating the greatness of God. And I just want to take a moment to celebrate what happened last week. Uh, as so many people came forward and gave their life to Jesus and their eternities were changed. But not just that, I want to take a moment to celebrate with our friends that are watching in Carson on Tuesday night uh, as they had that same moment and there was a bunch of them that came forward and gave their life to Jesus and is moving miraculous ways. So can we celebrate with them? We're continuing our series uh, names, and last week we talked about the Lion of Judah and what that means for us. And the concept of this series is when we understand the name and we understand the meaning behind the name, there should be something that happens in us. Uh, there should be a change in us. There should be a action that happens in our life, and we should respond to it. And this week, we are talking about the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Uh, and as we get ready to go through today, we're talking about the Lamb of God, and we're setting up communion. We will be taking communion uh, at the end of service together, and um, communion for me was an interesting thing as a kid. Uh, when I would go to my grandma's church, this small uh, community church with like 15 people in it, when they would take communion, the one thought that ran through my head, just don't judge me, was snack break. That's what ran through my head. Like, Snacks, this is a great place. Um, you know, and you know, it wasn't until later on in life that I began to understand the meaning of communion and the depth of it. And why I tell you this story is I want to challenge you. As we go through today's message and we get ready for communion, I want to challenge you to really think about this. Before we partake of the elements and before we do this together, think about what this really means. The power of it, the, the meaning behind it, what it means to your life. And I hope that it wouldn't just be a moment that we tack on to something. That when we take communion, it's a holy moment. It's a moment of remembrance and reverence to God and what his son did for us. So as we jump into that, the Lamb of God, um, we're going to start in John 1, uh, John chapter 1, verse 29 through 34, and this is John the Baptist is saying this, it says this, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, a man is coming after me who is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. I did not recognize him as the Messiah, but I have been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. I didn't know he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you will see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify that he is the chosen one of God. He is the chosen one of God. It starts at the beginning of the scripture. John recognizes him and he sees him coming and he says, there is the Lamb of God. And it ends with him saying, he's the chosen one. 
the Messiah, Jesus, coming to earth. And he's referring to him as the Lamb of God to pave the way for what Jesus is coming to earth to do. Jesus is coming to earth to take the place of you and I. To go to the cross and suffer a death that you and I deserve. To be the sacrificial lamb so our lives, our our eternities could be changed. This lamb that has come down to earth. And lamb, the, the idea of a lamb you see throughout scripture They were a traditional form of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there was the sacrificing of a lamb to to repent of sins, to um, to, to renew our our, our presence and our relationship with God. You see this happening. You also see it happening uh, in Exodus, in the Passover story. And before we talk about that, let me just set the stage to make sure we know what's going on. Moses um, has fleed Egypt. The Israelites were slaves there for hundreds of years, and Moses has fleed uh, out into the desert, and there's a moment where he encounters God. We talked about this in week one, where he hears the name Yahweh uh, at this moment, and God tells him to go back to Egypt and to talk to Pharaoh and to make the request for Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. You know, you've seen the movie where he's, let my people go, you know, this is that moment. He's going there, and what happens while he's there doing this and making these requests to Pharaoh to let the Israelites free from their bondage and slavery, there's plagues that enter, horrible plagues that ravish the land, but Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and he he pushes back and pushes back and pushes back until finally we find ourselves at the last plague, and it's, it's said that what is told to him is the angel of death will come through the town and will take every firstborn child. But in Exodus 12, God has a plan for his people. What they are to do is they are to take a lamb or a young goat and they are to sacrifice this lamb or goat and they are to take the blood and rub it above their door frame. So when this angel of death passes through the town, it will see the blood and pass over that house rescuing that firstborn child in that home. We see this Passover story of God providing a way through the blood of a lamb for salvation. We see that in the Passover. We see what is happening there, and then it leads to Time goes on, Jesus comes to earth, uh, perfect in every way, comes from heaven, lives his life for 33 years, and then we find him at a Passover meal, right before the cross. Right before the cross, they're celebrating the Passover meal as this had become a, a moment of celebration for them, for them to remember what God had saved them from in Egypt. And Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples, and it says this in Luke 22. Jesus said, I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine, gave thanks to it, gave thanks for it. Um, Then he took a, 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 then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then it goes on to read this. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is my 
is the new covenant between God and his people, an arrangement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. He's telling his disciples and he's telling us today as we read this that what Jesus is about to do is he is about to empty himself on the cross. And in doing so, in emptying of himself on the cross, he will bring upon this new covenant. Now let me make sure we understand what this means. In the Old Testament, the the Old Covenant, there was the, the laws of Moses and there was a sacrificial system of repentance that when I would sin or I wouldn't be right with God, I would have to perform a sacrifice, an act of sacrifice to, to be cleansed in that moment, for, to be right in the eyes of God. And what Jesus is doing is he's coming down to earth and he will become that eternal sacrifice. He will become that eternal sacrifice for us, that one-time ultimate sacrifice that will begin a new covenant. And what this new covenant is is that we have the opportunity today to step into relationship with Jesus, into relationship with Jesus, and that one sacrifice is enough to cover all of our sins. And he's having this meal, and he's talking about this is my blood poured out for you. This is this, my body given for you to bring on this new covenant. I want to make sure that we understand the magnitude of these statements. Jesus is having this meal knowing what is about to happen, knowing what his destination is, knowing why he was here on this earth. And he is about to go on a horrendous journey, not just the cross but leading up to the cross where they will whip him and flog him and they will put a crown of thorns on his head and mock him. And they will say, you're the king of the Jews with this this crown of thorns. And not only that, he has to take up his cross, his murder device, and walk it through the streets to the hill of his death while people mock him and spit at him and laugh at him. And then he has to put this cross into the ground and they nail him to it. His hands and his feet and they stab his side and his blood is literally poured out. Poured out. That's what he went through. That's what he did for you and for me. That's why I think we have to get to the place when we take communion, it can't just be a normal part of our life. It can't just be something we do. We have to understand the magnitude of this pouring out of blood for you. This covering, this sacrifice from this Lamb of God that had to happen so one day we would have the opportunity to be in this room and to step into relationship with him and have our eternities changed. But it came at a price, amen? It came at a price. We cannot become numb to the price of the blood. We can't. We should be in reverence every day. Every day we wake up, we should be in a posture of reverence. Jesus, we are unworthy of the blood of the Lamb. But thank you for choosing to do it for me. We we should be in a place of reverence for that. 
So I want to talk a little bit about what the blood of Christ means for us in our life, what it does for us. The blood of the Lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb. What does it mean for us? Number one, it redeems us. It redeems us. First Peter 1, 18 through 19 says this, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. This redeeming it's talking about, this salvation, this redemption, what it's talking about in the beginning, it says, and you know that God paid a ransom for you. Because we need to know this, that there was a price that had to be paid because we were slaves in bondage to sin. We were were owned by sin and death and we were enslaved to it. And there was a price that had to be paid. It was this ultimate price, the son of God, the sinless and spotless lamb that was sent for us. What a heavy price. What a heavy price. And in this moment, this redemption is the, an eternal sacrifice. Doesn't have to be repeated, doesn't have to happen over and over again. It's eternal. When we step into relationship with Jesus and allow his redemptive blood to wash over our life, we are stepping into the new covenant. Because what Christ did is he came to fulfill the law to be the fulfillment of the law. So all we would have to do is be in relationship with him. That's our check mark. This is the hardest thing for me about Christianity because sometimes I'm like, okay, so Jesus, this is, I, all I have to do is surrender my life to you and give my life to you and, and that's enough. It doesn't feel like enough. Because as our human nature, we want a checklist. If I do this, if I do this, if I do this, if I do this, then I am going to be a great Christian. Or I want a checklist to tell me I need to fix my life. When it comes to the blood of Christ, it is enough. It's enough. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't be pursuing a life of purity, pursuing a life of uh, improvement and growing in our relationship, no, but the sacrifice, the redemptive sacrifice that happened is enough. And when we try to work our way into salvation, we are saying we don't believe in that truth, that the blood of Christ was enough. It redeems us, and number two, it cleanses us. First John 1, 7 says this, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. Cleanses, meaning it washes away. It washes away the sin in us. It's saying that the old you, the one who was bondage to sin and death, in the moment of stepping into the covering of the blood of Jesus, that old you is washed away. That it's, it's cleansed, it's gone. You know, it's like when we think about this visual, I think sometimes we think of it as like this whiteboard in our life. There's a whiteboard in our life and all of our sins are written on it. All of our sins are written on it and, and it's all up there and then we step into relationship with Jesus and he comes through with his big eraser and he washes it away, right? That's great, right? 
But here's even something greater, because what this says is it's saying that it cleanses us. The old us is gone. We are a new creation in Christ. So what Christ does when we step into relationship with him and we step into this with him, he doesn't just wipe it away. He takes the whiteboard and shatters it, breaks it, gets rid of it, and gives us a whole new whiteboard that isn't a writing of our sins. All it says is son or daughter of God on it. That's the whiteboard we live under now. It's not just that he's up there wiping away and every time, okay, okay. No, you are a son and daughter of God. You have been cleansed by the blood of the lamb, amen? And we have to remember that there's power in this blood. There is power in this blood. Anybody remember this old hymn? There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. I guess I was the only one in the group in church. So, um, <laughs> there is power in the blood of the Lamb. This cleansing power in it. There's power in it. Power to change someone's life in drastic ways. Think about in your life, the way the power of the blood of the lamb has worked in you. And as I was thinking about this this week, I started to think about people. It's like my, I have a friend who's on the home team that just a, like, like a year ago, I was sitting with him and he was weeping and crying and he was caught up in addiction and all this stuff and, and he was just in the midst of it and now he's clean and sober and he's serving the kingdom of God and loving his family. That's the power of the blood. The cleansing power. He couldn't have done that on his own. It was allowing this blood, this cleansing blood, the sacrificial lamb's blood who gave himself for us to wash us. Man, I did so much in my life in thinking about my old life this week and just how much Christ has set me free from. Man, there is power in the blood of Jesus. There is no way that I should be up here right now. There is no way that I should be talking to you guys about Jesus. But there is power in the blood of the Lamb. Cleansing power that can take away this old, broken, mistake-making, sinful, prideful man and break him down and cleanse him and heal him to get him to the place where he's still not perfect, like none of us are perfect in here, but that cleansing blood, the power of it, has worked miracles in our life, amen? There's power in the blood. And what I mean by that, why I talk about this power, is there's power in the blood, but I ask this question. Has the blood of Christ, has the blood of the sinless and spotless land became a prop in the story to us? Just a prop in the story that sets up this greater story. Has, does, it, does it have the real power we, we say it has and we sing about, but does our life show that? Does our life show that? That it's more than just a representative cup and wafer. That when we look at this cup of juice, we see a new creation in us that we didn't deserve. We see addictions healed. We see uh, someone sacrificed that took our place, stood in the gap for us. 
We have to get to that place when it comes to the blood of the Lamb. Amen? The last point, what the blood does for us. It overcomes the enemy. The blood of the Lamb overcomes the enemy. In Revelation 12, 11, it says this. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their life so much that they were afraid to die. When Jesus poured his blood out on that cross and went to the grave and conquered sin and death, he defeated the enemy, lost his power. But sometimes it feels like the enemy still has some power in our life. There's still hardships we face, there's still sin that we face, there's still brokenness that we face. Here's the truth. You will lose battles to the enemy in your life. It says that he roams around like a lion looking to devour you. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to beat addictions. He doesn't want you to take next steps. He doesn't want you to step into the blood relationship with Christ and change your life forever. He wants you to quit. He wants you to give up. He wants you to take steps back. And he is going to come after you. And you will lose battles. You will face hardships. You will sin. You will make mistakes. You will believe his lies. You, you will get caught up in things that you know you shouldn't in your lifetime here. You will lose battles, but you can never lose the war because Jesus already won the war. He conquered him. What if our mindset when it came to our life of facing the enemy and what he's doing in our life when we face these trials and he tried to lie to us and maybe when we failed, we just, we got a little courage in us and we would say right back to him, you know, you might have won this battle, but my God won the war. You might have made me slip up today, but I know where my eternity is. I might be caught up in this, but I know that the blood of the lamb can cleanse me and redeem me. I know who won the war. Amen? And so as we begin to get ready to take communion, don't open it yet. What I want you to do is I want you to grab it and I want you to hold it in your hand. And if everybody could just stand with me real quick. I want you to hold it in your hand and as we begin to sing this next song, I want us to have a moment where we lean in and we focus. We get a reverent place in our heart and we think about what this cup means. Maybe you think about your life and what this cup is meant to your life. Maybe you're still in the midst of some really strong battles and you just need to believe this cup, what this cup means, and it represents what the blood of the Lamb means to us today as Christ's followers. Maybe, maybe some of us need to hold this cup and we need to say to ourselves that my life, my eternity, my salvation was bought with a price. I need to start living like it. I need to start living like it. This ransom that was paid for me I need to start living like it. 
And some of us just need to maybe have that cleansing moment right now as we hold this cup and we sing this song, asking for the Lamb of God, Jesus, to move in us in a powerful way and set us free and heal us, wherever you're at. But as we begin to sing this song, let us just have that moment. Have that moment where we dive deep into ourselves and we remember what this blood means for us. Amen? Let's sing together.
You brought 